that this verse is teaching us that Jesus is our song? And the answer is because the New Testament tells us so. The New Testament regularly takes verses from the Old Testament that speak about Yahweh, Jehovah, God Almighty, and applies them to Jesus Christ. The classic example, Joel 2, verse 32, And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, it's Yahweh, Jehovah, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Joel the prophet in the Old Testament speaks about calling on Yahweh, God Almighty. In the New Testament, Romans 10 Paul quotes this verse and says it is about Jesus Christ. He says, if we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord, believe that God has raised him from the dead, we will be saved. Paul says there's no distinction. It doesn't matter whether you're a Jew or a Gentile. All are saved by believing on Christ. And then what's your proof, Paul? Why should we believe you? What's your evidence that people are saved by calling on Jesus? And Paul quotes Joel 2.32 as his proof. Everyone who calls on the name of Yahweh will be saved. In other words, in Paul's mind, to call on Yahweh and to call on Jesus are the same thing. And if Yahweh is not Jesus and Jesus is not Yahweh, then his whole argument falls apart. So cults disagree. The Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, they would not agree with what I'm saying right now. Secularists certainly disagree. False teachers disagree. But here is the truth of the Bible. Jesus is God. Jesus is Yahweh. Jesus said, I and the Father are one. He said, before Abraham was, I am. Not before Abraham was, I was. That would be astounding enough. That would be enough to make us have high thoughts of Jesus if he said, before Abraham was, I was. But he says, before Abraham was, I am. Even now, I am before Abraham was. Think about that for a little while. Throughout the Gospel of John, Jesus uses these I am statements to show that he is the I am. And so when our verse speaks of the Lord, Yahweh, as our song, it isn't just speaking of God the Father. It is speaking of God the Father, but not just God the Father. It's speaking also of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the doctrine this morning is easy. The truth of the verse is easy. For God's people, Christ is their song. What does it mean? Let me make three points. First, a person's song is that which strengthens them, delights them, and encourages them. A person's song is that which strengthens them, delights them, and encourages them. So your song is that which you love. Your song is that which makes you happy. Uh, Philip Henry says, that which is our confidence is our song. 
If gold be our confidence, gold is our song. If our friends are our confidence, they are our song. Everyone has a song. Everyone has a rhythm to their life built around a theme. There are high notes and there are low notes. There are moments where the music swells in joy. And there are moments when it is dark and sad. But something is at the heart of your song. Let me just ask you. What is at the heart of your song this morning? What is it in this world that you can point to and say, that is my song? For some... Their song is all about themselves. So uh, in the last few years, there's a young lady who has become very popular on the pop music charts. Her name is Alicia Cara. And this was the first song that made her really popular. There's another one now that has her on the top of the charts. But her song is called My Song. And here are the lyrics. See what you think about these. I'll spend my life pinning my song, my song, and the verses I write will speak for me. Good girls don't make history, so I may never be what you assume. It's my song. I don't want your hooks or auto-tune. It's my song. If I'm off-key, that's all right with me. It's my song. Oh, and maybe you'll learn this when I'm gone. It's my song. Let go. I let my voice be heard and then listen for the echo. My own reverb is plain because I'm a movement. There's dissonance. Sometimes I make mistakes. Oh, I'm human after all. But I'm not your expectations. Play, rest, repeat. That's what they ask of me. But stick to this melody and stay between the lines. I'll play what's best for me. I'll ring the bells and crash the cymbals. It's my harmonious design. What do you hear in those lyrics? I hope you understand. She's not singing about a song. She's singing about her life, right? And she's saying, I'm not going to stay in your lines. I'm not going to let someone else define for me what my life should be about. My life is going to be about my life. It's, it's my song. I will follow my own heart. I will pave my own path. I will go my own way. And, and just before we start throwing stones at today's modern music, this was the theme of Frank Sinatra when he sang, I did it my way. So this is old and new. Our culture right now says you are to be the center of your song. Uh, You are to find your strength within yourself. You are to love yourself above everything else. You are to delight in yourself. Your encouragement is to be found in yourself. Away with the haters. Away with those who would dislike you. You have all you need in yourself. And it's a lie as old as the serpent. And the people who are believing that lie are finding themselves brought to the end of themselves all around you. And they're hurting People are trying to be for themselves what only Christ can be. This this leads us to the second point. For Christians, Christ is the theme of our song. That's what our verse says. The Lord is my song, says David. Let, Let others try and find their strength and their delight and their encouragement elsewhere. Jesus is the fountain that doesn't run dry. 
You can come to the end of yourself. You won't come to the end of Jesus. You will never drink this fountain dry. Jesus is a hope that does not fail. Jesus is a rock and a refuge and a shelter in the storm. Jesus is the lover of your soul. He's the one who lived for me and died for me. He he is the Christian's song. It's a joyful song overall. Don't get me wrong. The Christian life has its valleys. But even in the valleys, we have a song of joy to sing. So look at the context of our verse. Begin in verse 14, and let's look at verses 14 through 16. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Glad songs of salvation are in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord exalts. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. You see, it's a song of praise. As we live our lives, the praise of God is on our lips, right? He has done valiantly. And these are glad songs. Verse 28, look at verse 28. You are my God, and I will give thanks to you. You are my God, and I will extol you. At the center of the Christian song is the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Where do we draw our strength? Where do we find our joy? We remember who Jesus is. We bring to mind what Jesus has done, what he is doing for us right now, what he will do when he comes again. In verse 25, verse 25 We hear, save us, we pray, O Lord. So you see, even in the Christian song, there's there's low moments. There's, There's moments of crying out. What do you see in verse 26? Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Who was this? this? This was our Savior. It was our Lord Jesus who came from heaven to earth, and he came in the name of Yahweh. And as he rode into Jerusalem on a donkey's back... And the people waved palm branches and they threw down their cloaks. And what did they say? They quoted this verse. They said, Hosanna to the son of David. And then they said, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And in the name of Yahweh, Jesus came to die. And in the name of Yahweh, Jesus was riding into Jerusalem to die, to give his life a ransom for many. And that is our song. Our song is that we have a Savior who gave his life for us. Jesus has become the door to salvation. Jesus has become the gate by which we come to the Lord. Look at verse 20. Verse 20. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. This song is all about the coming of Christ, the rejection of Christ, the death of Christ, and the resurrection of Christ. 
The day that the Lord has made, we say that all the time as if it applies to every day. And of course, in a sense, as creator, every day has been made by God. But this verse in context is about the day when Christ would come to earth and live and die and rise. That's what the day of the Lord is that was made. And we're to rejoice and be glad in it. Here is the joy that pervades our songs, even when we're dealing with cancer, even when we're dealing with a lost job, even when we're dealing with broken relationships and, and, and not sure about how we're going to get that bill paid. And whatever our valley is, we can still sing this song because it's not based on our feelings. It's not based on the circumstances of the moment. It's based on a day that has already come. God created the day when his son would come and live and die and rise. And you know what? Whether we get the bill paid or not, whether the relationship gets healed or not, whether I find another job or not, whether this cancer gets me or not, this life is but a vapor. And because of the day that God made, I am going to behold the face of God in the, in the face of Jesus Christ. That is, that is our song. That is where we find our strength. That is where we find encouragement. The Christian's song is a Christ-centered song. And because it is a Christ-centered song, it is a cross-centered song. Upon that cross of Jesus, mine eyes at times can see the very dying form of one who suffered there for me. And from my stricken heart with tears, two wonders I confess the wonders of redeeming love and my unworthiness. I take, O cross, thy shadow for my abiding place. I ask no other sunshine than the sunshine of his face. Content to let the world go by, to know no gain or loss. My sinful self, my only shame, my glory, all the cross. The Lord is our song. Because the, the center of the Lord's work is the cross. The cross is our song. The cross is our glory. We boast in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. I just ask you, is the cross at the center of your song this morning? Is that where you find your joy? Is Jesus your all? Dear name, the rock on which I build, my shield and hiding place, my never failing treasury filled with boundless stores of grace. Oh, Jesus, my shepherd, my husband, my friend, oh, prophet, priest and king, my Lord, my life, my way, my end, except the praise I bring. Third note that Christians have but one song. We have but one song. That is, Christ is not one song among many for us. David says that the Lord is my song. Singular. Not, not one of my songs. Not I, I live for money and I live for fame and I live for Jesus too. It doesn't work that way. Not I live for my kids. I live for my friends. I live for vacations. I live for the weekend and I live for Jesus. You can only have one ultimate song in which everything else must find its place. David has one and only one source of ultimate delight, strength, and encouragement. Psalm 146, verse 2, I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Christ is our song in the morning. 
Psalm 59, verse 16, I will sing of your strength. I will sing aloud of your steadfast love in the morning. You have been to me a fortress and a refuge in the day of my distress. Christ is our song throughout the day. Psalm 71, 8, my mouth is filled with your praise, with your glory all the day. And Christ is our song in the night. Psalm 42, 8, by the day the Lord commands his steadfast love. At night his song is with me. Christ is our song even in the face of our trials. When troubles come against us, we sing the name of Christ right into them. Psalm 71 speaks of all kinds of troubles that the psalmist was facing. People are against him. His life is in danger. His energy is all spent. He's tired. He's weak. And in the midst of just about to be at the end of life's edge, what does the psalmist say? But I will hope continually and I will praise you yet more and more. The joy of the Lord is our strength. As we remember our Savior, as we remember who He is and what He has done for us, there is a supernatural, Spirit-given, divine strength that comes to the Christian. The Spirit of God works through the Word of God, brought afresh into the heart and the mind of the Christian. So as we think about who Jesus is, as we remember who He is, as we remember what He has done, what He is doing, what He will do, this is where supernatural strength to persevere through trials comes from. Warriors sing songs as they go to battle, and in the songs they find their strength. So also we find all that we need for the fights of this life as we sing anew each day. The song of Christ. Even at death, Christ is the Christian song. There's a myth that says that swans only sing when they're dying. And that when they do, it's the sweetest song you'll ever hear. I think it's a myth. I don't think it's true. Many a Christian has faced death with singing. And it has been some of the sweetest moments, almost like heaven come to earth. I was reading one writer talking about the death of a Christian man named John Janeway. And he said that as he came to the last moments of his life, he and the people around him sang songs of worship to God until he breathed his last. And that one person in the room said it was the absolute sweetest time of worship they had ever known. Will we be able to approach our death, maybe not even able to sing aloud, but will Christ be your song? Will Christ be the the song of your heart as you face death? Weak is the effort of my heart, cold my warmest thought, but when I see thee as thou art, I'll praise thee as I ought. Till then, I would thy love proclaim with every fleeting breath, and may the music of thy name Refresh my soul at death. This song that we sing is an ancient song. When we sing the song of Christ, we are singing a song that has been sung since Adam and Eve come to be covered by clothes given to them by God at the Garden of Eden. The saints of the Old Testament didn't know as much about Christ as we do, but they knew enough and they sang of Christ. 
Jesus said that Abraham saw his day and was glad. Dear friends, this greatest of all songs is an ancient song, a song sung since the creation of the world. And we're even told that if we aren't singing, the very rocks will cry out. That said, I love how this song keeps growing. You know how the best songs build, right? Maybe it starts out with one person singing a solo and it's real quiet and then the other voice comes in and then another voice comes in and then it builds and then there's a choir and it keeps expanding and it moves you. Well, with each new generation of believers, there is a sense in which there is a new song being sung. But every generation of believers is also a new layer of stones in the great temple that God is building. With each new generation, there is new perspective and more reasons to praise. Each new generation of believers is being added to the heavenly choir with now more history to look back on, more of God's grace having been seen, more testimonies telling of God's faithfulness. And therefore, of course, new songs being written. In the days of the Reformation, so many new hymns were written. They celebrated salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. We think about a mighty fortress is our God came out of the Reformation. As the Reformation gave way to the day of the Puritans, so many of those Puritan pastors would write hymns for each Sunday service to teach in song the same truth as the sermon. So many of the songs we sing by John Newton or John Wesley had that kind of a purpose. Through the first and second great awakenings here in our country, more and more people were coming to Christ. Some of the most loved evangelistic hymns of the church were written during that time. Through the heartbreaking suffering of African-American slaves, God gave his church Negro spirituals like Swing Low, Sweet Chariot, and Take My Hand, Precious Lord. And out of the experiences of God's people today, new songs are being written. I think many of the so-called new worship songs are pretty weak, heavy on emotion, shallow on substance, But in the midst of the fluff, God has raised up some gifted songwriters who are serving the church with hymns that I think will last. Some by the Gettys, some by Stuart Townend, Bob Coughlin, those kinds of folks. Here's the point. The songbook of Christ's church keeps getting thicker and thicker with each generation. The, the, The main theme is still the same. The main theme hasn't changed. All of these different songs from every generation of the church are part of of the song. The song of the Lord Jesus Christ. The song of Christ crucified for sinners. Indeed, we're just joining with the angels in their song. Job 38.7 tells us that angels were singing as God through his son created the world. Here's God through Jesus speaking the world into existence. And what were the angels doing the moment they were created? They were singing praises to God. When the Lord Jesus was born, it was angels who appeared to the shepherds announcing the birth. And what did they do? They sang. The book of Revelation tells us that even now the angels in heaven, along with the saints who have gone before, are singing the praises of King Jesus. What is their song? Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. 
This song that we sing is an ancient song. It's a heavenly song. It's a song that will extend into eternity. I don't think heaven will be one endless worship service, by the way. That is, I, I don't think, and for people that don't like singing that much, when they hear heaven described that way, we're all going to be one choir with white robes singing to Jesus forever. It's a lot of people who think, hmm, not sure that's heaven, right? Well, I understand that. I think that the new heavens and the new earth will be much like the old heavens and the old earth, but made new. We talked about the fourth commandment earlier. I remember in the first paradise, there was a seven-day week. Six days for Adam to work and one day for Adam to rest and worship. It would not surprise me at all if when we get to heaven and we're walking the new heavens and the new earth and gold streets, you will worship the Lord through callings, through vocations, through invention and work that you'll enjoy. There will be no sin resisting your work. It will be happy work, joyful work as you serve the Lord. But I do think there will be times when we come together and all the saints of God fill the cosmos along with the angels and singing the praises of God, and it will be the most amazing thing you've ever experienced. Have you ever been in a coliseum with thousands of Christians singing boldly praises of God together? Maybe some of you have experienced that. It is such a wonderful thing. It doesn't compare to what we will experience on that day with the angels, with the saints as we sing the song of Christ together, even as we gaze upon his throne, as we gaze upon his face, and we sing as we should be singing every Sunday to him. Oh, that with yonder sacred throng we at his feet may fall and join in the everlasting song and crown him Lord of all. Join in the everlasting song and crown him Lord of all. All right, application. Simple doctrine, Christ is the song of the Christian. What is the song of the Christian? It's that which gives them strength. It's that which is their encouragement. It's that which their life is built around. For us, it is Christ. How do we apply this truth? Well, first, mainly, are you singing this song? Are you a part of this great choir? Frankly, if Christ is not your song on earth, he will not be your song in heaven. For those who reject Christ and continue and to live in rebellion, their song will be one of woe and misery in that place called hell. Let us examine ourselves. This is a great way to test and see whether or not you are a child of God. Is Christ your song? Honestly. Is he truly that which brings you delight? Is he your strength? Is he your encouragement in the morning, in the daytime, in the nighttime, in seasons of joy, in moments of tragedy? Will you be able to face your final moments, your dying moments with joy because of Christ in your life? Will you see death no longer as an enemy, but now as the usher to lead you into the presence of your Savior? Test your heart. Is Christ your song? And if you've not embraced him as the savior of your soul, he's not your song. Christ is only precious to those who know that they were drowning and he saved us. 
Christ is only precious when we know that our sins stacked up against us like Mount Everest, ready to fall upon us in condemnation and to cast us into hell, and that Jesus came and poured the condemnation we deserved in our place. In my place condemned he stood, we just say. When there seemed to be no hope, when we could not keep our heads above water, when it seemed like eternal death was sure, in stepped Jesus Christ. Christians are those who have flung themselves upon Christ as their only hope for peace with God. Christians are not strong people. We are weak people, and we know we are weak. And when we are weak, Jesus is strong for us. Is he your Savior? If you've never trusted in Christ, you don't need to take the bread and the cup this morning. What we're about to do at the Lord's table is a profession of faith. Don't profess what you don't have. The Bible says nothing about walking an aisle to profess faith. The Bible gives us how to profess faith. We profess it in baptism. That's the first way we profess faith. When we draw that line in the sand and we say before God in our own hearts and others and any who want to hear, I am drawing my line in the sand. I stand with Christ. He is my only hope. And then after your baptism... You should be professing Christ in the way you live, the way you feel your callings. But the other act that God gave us to do is to take the bread and to take the cup as pictures of the blood and the body of Jesus as a way of saying to one another, this is our hope. This is our pledge from the hand of Christ that by his blood we will be at the wedding feast to come. This is the appetizer before the meal. When you receive the bread and the cup from the hands of the deacons, it should be as though you're receiving it from the hands of Christ himself. As he says to you, you keep trusting me and I will bring you to the day of the wedding feast. And you will be with God's people in heaven singing that heavenly song. So let's examine ourselves. Where do we stand with Christ? Is he our savior? Is he our hope? Is he our joy? Is he our song? Let's pray.